0: We're a week out from training camp, and one of the Colts' biggest stars is a little disgruntled with the treatment of his position around the league. Let's get to it.
1: You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Arthur, he is Zach Hicks, and you know the two of us from HorseshoeHuddle.com. Uh, I'm your regular credential media member from the site, bringing you the inside scoopage from the facility, from training camp coming up and all that. And Zach is the meanest, greenest film guy in the business. How was that one? That one wasn't bad. That
1: wasn't too bad. I mean, I'll take mean <laughs> over grimy. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm telling you, search up grimy in, in, in any of the young folks. Uh, maybe Urban Dictionary, but I don't know. I'm going to preface that with, I don't know what that's going to bring.
1: I'm going to say, I'm not going back to Urban Dictionary. I haven't been to Urban Dictionary since middle school when I thought it was funny just to look up my name and see some of the most grotesque things <laughs> ever it. associated with my name. So Love I think it. we're good with Urban Dictionary, Jake. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyways, on today's show, we're we're going to kind of bring up something that's going to be more of it's something all-encompassing of something we've discussed in certain segments uh, recently, the last month or so. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and the running back market across the league, his stance with the team, his stance with his contract situation, everything. Uh, we're going to wrap that up into one episode, and you know we're a week away from training camp now, so there's probably not going to be any development until then. When he either shows up or he doesn't, as far as I know, there the expectation is that he'll be there, uh, but we'll see. But basically, today we're going to go over you know the latest on the running back market across the league. Uh, Yesterday was the deadline or Monday was the deadline for uh, franchise tag uh, signings. And, you know, you've got Jonathan Taylor and every other big running back across the league, their reaction to all of it. Uh, And then why exactly Jonathan Taylor's situation with the Colts isn't necessarily built like every other teams. And the Colts really ought to pay attention to that. Uh, So we'll go ahead and dive in. There were three franchise tag running backs uh, this offseason. And none of them reached a long-term contract as of the deadline this week. Uh, That's Josh Jacobs from the Raiders who led the whole league in rushing. Uh, You've got uh, Tony Pollard. And then who is the third one that escapes me? Saquon Barkley. Okay. So yeah, Saquon plays out of his mind has, you know, the best season of his career, at least since his rookie year, Uh, he's dealt with some injuries. It was kind of a prove it year for him. And he, he pretty much carried the giants to the playoffs. Um, these guys are just really premier players at their position. They were obviously franchise tagged for a reason, uh, but no deal was done. And Jonathan Taylor came out after the uh, the deadline and simply tweeted, wow, you know, he he's a guy who has always kind of kept to himself and kind of towed the company line when it comes to making statements about things. Uh, but for the first time, we're really hearing him voice his opinion on. Uh, what running backs feel is mistreatment of the position across the league. And then, you know, there was uh, there was a tweet that came out from Matt, ESPN's Matt Miller as well later, uh, basically saying, you know, draft a running back, play them through their contract. If they're good, uh, franchise tag them once for a year and then draft their replacement, which is basically use them, abuse them and lose them is yeah in, in a nutshell. And then, of course, that rubbed every running back the wrong way, as it probably should have uh, Jonathan Taylor among them. And he, he basically said, you know, you pour your heart out, heart out for your team. And then when it comes time to reward you, it doesn't matter because you're a running back paraphrasing yeah. right there. Um, so Zach, what do you, what do you make of this whole thing? Cause I mean, growing up running back was pretty much one of the premier positions. Everyone wanted to at least watch, you know, you think of all these major players throughout the history of the game and, and now they're, they're really just being kind of cast away.
1: Well, growing up for you, Jake, I grew up in the Peyton Manning and Tom Brady eras, man. So like Widanian
0: Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson. I guess I guess
1: okay, I guess, (laughs) I guess. But um, no, to, to bring it back to this conversation, you know, like I'm gonna there's two ways to approach this. And in this first segment, I'm gonna approach it from the team perspective. So everything I'm gonna say here is not exactly what I view it as, but this is kind of how teams are viewing it is these are very, very depreciating assets. You know, this is one of the few positions in the entire league where they're really only prominent during their rookie contract and maybe like a year or two afterwards. And then they start to hit that peak. And, and once they hit that, it's just like free fall. It's a free fall into injuries, it's a free fall into lack of production and lack of consistency. And then you see a lot of running backs become reserve players or flat out out of the league by the time they hit 30 years old. It's really the only position where we see something like this happen you know we talked about Grover Stewart a couple weeks ago that with nose tackles they hit their peak around 30 years old uh, and that's where they start playing their best football but with running backs you know that's where they're out of the league and I think when it comes to you know asset consolidation in the NFL uh, NFL teams have seen the contracts in the past pretty much all not work out you know Zeke Elliott uh, is obviously one of the biggest examples of that. This recent contract with the Dallas Cowboys, Todd Gurley was basically run out of the league by the time his big contract started, you know, with all of his knee injuries. Uh, there was obviously a Le'Veon Bell holdout, which led to nothing great for him. He bounced around the league after that. Um, and then there's a lot of other big contracts and there's shoot Dalvin Cook just didn't finish his, and he's still a free agent right now. And this is a player as of, you know, two, three years ago, we're talking about one of the best overall playmakers in all of football. So, You know, the running back conversation really is around that position, what it adds to the offense and when what value it adds in a very passing heavy league. But also it's hard to extend these players and give them that career security when it's almost always going to come back to bite you. You know, as if you're looking at it purely from an asset management perspective and as a, you know, as a team that just doesn't want to have bad contracts on the books that that limit them with their spending power in the future. Running backs are almost always going to be bad contracts on the books because you can get pretty good production from someone on their rookie deal because that's when running backs are in their peak. You're basically drafting this position at its peak. So when it comes to paying them, you're paying them after they're on the decline or after they're they're going over the edge. And I'm not saying this is true for all running backs. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is getting paid a ton of money and he was really, really productive last year for the 49ers and the Panthers. Derrick Henry is obviously superhuman and how he fights through injuries and, and is still one of the best running backs in football. So this isn't, you know, a thing that applies to every single running back. Nick Chubb is another one getting paid $12 million a year and easily the best running back in the league for, for my money. Like, it doesn't apply to all running backs, but at the end of the day, there's so many bad examples of contracts just not aging well and teams having to sacrifice assets because of this running back contract that teams are wary and teams are scared. And, and you know, it's not even a thing where you can call collusion on it because collusion is like a, a widespread effort to drive prices down just because you don't want to pay the premium prices. But with running back, it's more of a widespread effort and widespread awareness to be like we don't want to pay that price, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. we don't want to pay that price. Um, And I think that plays into the whole thing where people are like, oh yeah, just trade Jonathan Taylor. It's like, if nobody's going to pay these running backs, who's going to (laughs) take like, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't just trade them to someone who where everyone agrees with your philosophy, you know, you have to find some sucker in your philosophy to take on that contract. But right now with the, with the NFL, there's really not many of them. The biggest free agent signing was Miles Sanders and his contract. If you take out, like, if, you know, if you only look at the guaranteed money is like, what, $5 million a year, $6 million a year. Uh, the franchise tags, obviously, are just the one-year commitments, only around $10 million a year. Uh, those contracts are one of the few ones that hasn't risen uh, since 2018 where almost every other contract's franchise tag has gone up. So, you know, people around the NFL with the rise of analytics and the rise of what's important and what's valuable, along with seeing past contracts falling off, Teams are scared of that asset that is a running back. And it's it's crazy. Like you said, we grew up with Ladanian Tomlinson, grew up with Adrian Peterson. Uh, if you go back further than that in the 90s, Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith were the you know the faces of the league. Those are mm-hmm. the faces of the league for an entire decade. Uh, and obviously you can go before that. So it really is a I don't want to say it's a dying position, but it's a position that's in peril <laughs> right now. Uh and and we don't really have a solution for it. It's just all we can really do is look at it from NFL teams perspectives and say, look, they're scared of committing big money to an asset that's probably not going to help them long term when they can draft someone who's already in their peak out of college. So it's tough. I mean, from a business standpoint, I get what NFL teams are doing, even though what we're going to get to here in the second segment from the human perspective. It really sucks. It really sucks. It's just the, the gross part of and I don't even say gross part. It's the it's the unfortunate part of the NFL and unfortunate part of just business in general.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. And we'll, again, we'll get into it soon. Cause I mean, these are people you're drafting and developing, you know, at, at the end of the day. So we'll, we'll touch on that here in a moment, but first, before we talk about the human aspect, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel, take your first swing at betting on the MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under, who you think is going to get struck out, who you think is going to be out there hitting dingers, whatever. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no red tape. You just get the money back that you actually earned and invested in. It's really that simple. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball.
1: And my beautiful everyday buddies, Jake Arthur is about to enter his prime part of the offseason. We're about to enter the flu game Jake Arthur season when it comes to his coverage because he's going to be boots on the ground at Colts training camp. And we're going to have all the inside information here on Locked on Colts. So all you wonderful everydayers, set your alarms bright and early every day, going back to five episodes a week because we're going to have to, you know, give Jake all the the airtime that he needs.
0: It's hot outside. So like I will look like I have the flu at all times. <laughs> yep, it gets exactly. hot out there at Grand Park, my yeah. man. Like it's, it's no joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So we're going to jump into the human side of this thing. Cause you know, I basically at the very end of that first segment was like, yeah, these running backs are assets. Yeah. Yada, yada. From a business perspective, you can't pay them. But at the end of the day, we're not talking about numbers on the spreadsheet. We're not talking about just data points in a computer or anything like that. We're talking about human beings. And I think the toughest aspect of this entire conversation, which kind of leans into what Derek Henry and what Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor and all those running backs were talking about on social media the other day, especially with Jonathan Taylor's tweet. His his was kind of exactly what I'm about to go into here is, you know, when when you are running an organization or running a business and you're standing in front of all your employees or all your 53 players that are on the roster, you know, you want each of them to believe you go out there, you perform your best, you help us win, you, you know, do some great things on the football field and you will be rewarded with pay. You know, you will be rewarded either from us or from someone else. You will get rewarded for what you're doing. If you are an extremely valuable, extremely qualified qualified player who is going out there and performing At a high level, you will be getting paid, you know, and with these running backs, what they're kind of seeing is it doesn't matter if you're a multiple time first team all pro It doesn't matter if you're leading the NFL in rushing yards. It doesn't matter if you are doing whatever, you know, if you're whatever you are, if you're a running back, you're not really getting that second contract anymore or you're getting driven down or you're just getting stuck on that franchise tag with without the long term security. So it's basically like you're kind of telling all these people like hey you go out there work hard you're going to earn your money except these couple positions that we don't value for our business you know and again it kind of is where you have to lump in the business and the human aspect but that's a kind of demoralizing thing to tell people at these certain non-premium positions you know
0: Yeah it absolutely is cuz i mean it it seems like it, it almost makes it seem like running backs don't matter, which of course is like the moniker of the whole argument that has been going on for years. Right. But like you, you look at it and some of these guys are like the straw that stirs the whole drink, you know? And Mm -hmm. so you're just saying, we're going to use you for four years. We'll franchise tag you for one, which really the franchise tag is to buy time for a long-term deal. Like that's misuse of it. Just buying one more year necessarily. Um, But yeah, like you said, I think it sends the wrong message to the locker room. Um, especially, you know, there, the Colts aren't alone. There are other teams that kind of throw positional value out the window and they reward, you know, non-pillar positions with big contracts. And so my thought on it, and I'm curious what you think, do you think there is some middle ground where maybe you get like an incentive laden contract essentially, or, you know, maybe it's front loaded where you're more comfortable getting these guys their money within the first year or two of the deal. If you're signing them to three, four years, whatever. Uh, but, you know, incentives for playing time for productivity, like things to, for teams to save themselves from getting tied into these, these big messy contracts. Cause the Zeke one is probably the most recent. The Zeke and Todd are the two like, yeah. ugliest ones in recent memory. Um, a, a way that teams can get out of that, but also, this player who has, you know, touched the ball three, 400 times for you for four years, they get rewarded as well. Cause it's really not right to just use them and, and lose them. Basically. Like there's gotta be some mutual ground.
1: Well, I mean, now we're getting into business, eth- business ethics on the podcast, Jake, <laughs> because you know, again, my at, specialty. The end, at the end of the day, morality is great. And, and it's great to, to lean into the morale of your team, but, at the end of the day, if you're looking at this from the business perspective, again, me reverting back to my first segment version of myself here, you know, you're getting, say, again, say, say with Jonathan Taylor, you know, you're getting multiple Pro Bowl caliber seasons or all pro seasons. And from years one through five, you're paying him, if you franchise tag him in the fifth year, what, 12 million, 13, $14 million total, right? From a business perspective, total is all you're paying him for those years, you know, less than. Um, less than what, $3 million a year for, for that type of production. And then theoretically you just draft a replacement that can do a similar type thing. Now, again, you want to reward that, but like, what's my incentive to really renegotiate that <laughs> you know, from a business perspective or from a team perspective, you know, I want to have as much cap space as possible. I want to have the most flexibility to run my business the way that I want or run my team the way I want. So like with the CBA not expiring until I think 2030 with really no reason for these owners and teams to really renegotiate that, like I don't see a change coming to that anytime soon, which again, it's 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 a tough conversation because you want to have that human aspect. You want to you want to be like what the Colts always say they are, which is rewarding High level play, you know, regardless of what position you are, we're going to pay our stars that we are, you know, growing up in our organization. Uh, But that's just not always the case when it comes to a business. So, yeah, I mean, I just don't see the incentive from teams to try to f- renegotiate that when it's already working out really well for them right now. <laughs> you know, they kind of are in a good place that benefits themselves, even if it's shafting all these running backs around the league and and really lowering their value. I think. You know, the way the market will kind of adjust itself is all these running backs will become pseudo wide receivers, you know, in in a way, you know, the Austin Ecklers and the the Christian McCaffrey's are the ones that survive, whereas, you know, the throwback Derrick Henry's and Nick Chubbs and even Jonathan Taylor's are the ones that despite being immensely talented and would have been the best players in all of football back in the 80s and 90s, that brand of running back might die off as a result of this. But um, to kind of again just kind of circle back on this human perspective again it's it's a tough message in the locker room it really is but at the end of the day guys are going to try to get theirs and you can be upset for your teammate but if it means more money in your own pocket like it, it's it's a weird conversation to have it's 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 the problem with lumping wanting to make money with like the family culture that is a locker room and stuff Mm. like that you know you want to see your buddy get paid but you also want to get paid so it's it's a it's a tough conversation to have and stuff like that but um personally i want all these guys to get paid i do not care about ownership saving money and (laughs) cap space and all that like on a personal level i think if someone earns it and they're worth that kind of money then you know go go make your money you know
0: yeah, I am a little curious because it it seems like these running backs are getting to kind of a boiling point where mm-hmm. if they come together and and decide some, you know, something that they would like to do moving forward, like it just seems like this is not the end of it. <clears throat> like I know the CBA isn't coming up for a while, like you mentioned, but like this doesn't seem like the argument is over by any means. Like it feels like we're hitting kind of the fever pitch of something that's kind of been coming up for almost a decade now. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to see what's coming next or whether it's more holdouts or refusal to play into the season, things like that. I don't know. But
1: yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Jacobs and Barkley do. Like if mm-hmm. they decide to hold out and that holdout goes into the season. But then both those teams don't really have a negative ramification for it. Like they still have decent running games and stuff like what does that do to those two players? You know, like it
0: kills the argument. Yeah. Right.
1: But not even yeah. that kills like say all the top running backs in the league come together and say we're holding out until this is addressed, but then the replacement backs are all fine. Then what ha- Like, what happens? Right. Like if you just have a bunch of star it's players sitting risky. out. It's, and it's you the Levi
0: on Bell thing, really. Yeah,
1: and but you it's an entertainment league at the end of the day. It's like, don't get me wrong, it's a sporting event, but it's an entertainment league at the end of the day where you know, you want these these big name players, even if there are running backs, big name players out there for draw. So, yeah, I think I'm with you. It's, you know, it's at near a tipping point. It could go either way. But at the end of the day, all the power right now is with the organizations. And it comes down to what they're willing to give back to these running backs to change any of this if they want to change any of it.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. So here coming up next, we're going to talk specifically about Jonathan Taylor and Indy, his future, and why not all situations are built the same because the Colts would probably be pretty wise to invest in a player like him. All right, Zach. So we've spent all offseason talking about you know, bringing Shane Steichen as the head coach. Okay, he's in. Anthony Richardson as the, the quarterback now. What does this offense look like? And when you think of what it could be at its peak, it almost always involves Jonathan Taylor and him, you know, him, I guess, being the engine, but also getting back to how good he looked in the second half of his rookie year, 2021. Like the offense, really what you envision it becoming, Jonathan Taylor plays a huge part of it. So, you know, again, not all situations are created equal. So, what are, what's your temperature again on, how much of an urgency the Colts should have in re-signing him.
1: Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say there should be much urgency on re-signing him this off season because like we've kind of said, when running backs get injuries, you just never know how they're really going to react or how they're going to ever bounce back or if they're ever going to bounce back. So after he's coming off a big injury season that he just had, there's no rush to extend him right now. And this is me again, purely talking from an asset management perspective, Uh, but going forward, say he comes back this year and he has a really strong season. You know, the Colts are in a really unique situation compared to most of these teams that we talk about with running back contracts. You know, if you look at the Vikings with Dalvin Cook, they ended up kind of releasing him because they're paying Kirk Cousins a jillion dollars, like literally a jillion dollars that you can look it up. It's exactly what it is on the books. (laughs) They have Justin Jefferson's contract that's going to be hitting the books. You know, they have other big contracts. Daniel Hunter is still on the books there. Um, then you look over at the Cowboys, you know, they had to choose between Zeke Elliott and Amari Cooper because of all their other big contracts they were throwing out there. And they end up losing Amari Cooper, who is an infinitely more valuable player. Now, when you look at the Indianapolis Colts, you know, they do have a couple of big contracts on the books in Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson and Shaquille Leonard. But outside of that, they're not really paying anybody. You know, they're, they're, they're just really not, especially at the quarterback position uh, going into next season, the Colts are going to have $65 million in cap space. Uh, and again, this rookie quarterback contract is going to be a huge thing for them because it's really never going to hit that big for them until uh, that year five option. And then obviously if they franchise tag or long term extend Anthony Rich and after that, so they have a pretty decent window here where they're going to have a little bit extra cap space to play around with. And again, the big thing with this running back conversation is that I like to look at is look at the cost benefit analysis of it, you know. If you again look at it from the Cowboys' perspective, the cost-benefit analysis of keeping Zeke Elliott was losing Amari Cooper. That's a net negative for for your team and for your offense, right there. But with the Indianapolis Colts, you know the Colts are not a team that spends in free agency. They are a team that saves their money, hoards their money, even uh, to extend their in-house guys. So when you're looking at 64 million dollars next year, and even if you put aside 20 million for Pittman Jr. and put aside 13 or 14 million for Grover Stewart, you're still looking at a good 30 something million dollars that the Colts really aren't going to do much with. Like they're not they're not going out there and signing another 20 million dollar wide receiver on the market. They're not trading for an AJ Brown caliber player. Uh most likely not going to trade for that. You know, Chris Ballard does trade every now and then, but they're not going to make big moves like that. Uh so when it comes to the Colts, it's really not like it's not pay Jonathan Taylor versus pay Michael Pittman Jr. It's not anything like that with the Colts. It's really pay Jonathan Taylor or not pay him. (laughs) Like That's the whole conversation with the Colts. Uh, So I think the Colts conversation is a bit different than it is with other teams because they're going to have that cap space and they're not really a team that is going to make a million moves in free agency where they need that flexibility. They're going to make their couple little moves that they always do, maybe making a Bukum level, uh, mid-level signing, but... They're not really like if they have cap space, they're typically just going to hoard it. So why not just have that star running back for your young athletic quarterback and and benefit him the best you can? So it really I really don't even think the Anthony Richardson thing comes in too big with this, where it's like you need to give Richardson a star running back to make him better. I think it's just like there is no way the Colts are going to add the value that Jonathan Taylor does, like adds to this team with how they approach free agency just because they have that extra cap space, you know, mm-hmm. like having an additional $15 million a year or whatever it's going to be doesn't really do anything for the Colts. So you can love it or hate it. You can love or hate Chris Ballard's approach to free agency and approach to trading and, and all that stuff. But knowing what we know with him, the options are not Jonathan Taylor or top wide receiver on the market. The options are Jonathan Taylor or no Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all it is. So when it comes down to that, for me personally, I'd prefer the Jonathan Taylor option. (laughs) Like, I think that's a pretty easy choice. What do you think, Jake?
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're convincing themselves they have to choose because you mentioned Grover Stewart, Michael Pittman Jr. Like those are deals coming up, but there is enough money to go around. Mm -hmm. and. It just, I, I would, I would be surprised if they, if they bungle this whole thing because you mentioned it. It's their philosophy. They've said it from day one of the Chris Ballard regime: draft, develop, and and extend your own guys. Um, like you said, they're not, they're not a, a, a spending happy team out on the open market. So your pool of free agents is essentially your own free agents, in yeah. which he will become one. So um, I would be pretty surprised if if they don't do it. I think he is worth it. And I know I've I've probably come off like very, very pro player, pro running back in this argument in general. uh, I don't think just everybody needs to have, you know, these, these demands met for them. Uh, I, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen, but like there are some, some select special players that I think you should make sure that you keep in house. And I think he's one of them. Like I don't think every running back should be resigned and everything necessarily. Uh, but for him, we've seen we've seen what the offense can look like with him, and if you pair him with a competent passing game, then you know the the sky is the limit. And people kind of tried to use my own argument against me recently because I've said you know Jonathan Taylor had arguably the best season a running back has had in franchise history in in twenty twenty one, and they still didn't make the playoffs. Uh, but you look at it further, like they wouldn't have even been in position to compete because they had to hide their passing game for a huge chunk of the year. Yeah. So Jonathan Taylor was the offense for a good chunk of 2021. And I mean, he's still under 25. You know, he's he's not really pushing it too much. I mean he's coming off his first injury, like the guy had never even missed practices. I do understand that you have to monitor that and see what he's going to look like because that's how his season ended. He didn't come back from that yet. So the last we saw was him uh, with the ankle injury, not playing. So I get that. I don't think there's immediate urgency, uh, which is something you and I have talked about recently, cause it probably benefits him to come out and have another awesome season. And then, you know, get that, that bigger payday. Uh, cause right now his arrow is a little more medium. Um, yeah. cause again, yeah. we, we didn't see prime Jonathan Taylor last time we saw him, but in general, I think it would be very wise to bet on him and, and make sure that he stays in house. Maybe that's just a two or three year deal. It doesn't have to be four or five because that's a little long for running backs. I would encourage a two or three year deal. Um, but still for him in Indy, I think that'd be a good choice.
1: Yeah. The, the My closing remarks on this whole topic are this with the, when it comes to the Colts, the Chris Ballard era Colts again, love it or hate it. Love his philosophy. I don't care what you really think about his philosophy because it's going to be here. You know, like, We can say we hate it and we disagree completely, but it's going to be here. So we kind of have to talk about what it means for the Colts going forward. And with the Colts, when it comes to skill position players, they draft. They don't sign. You know, they draft players. Jonathan Taylor, drafted player. Zach Moss was a rare trade, but Deion Jackson, uh, undrafted free agent signing. Jelani Woods, drafted. Kylan Granson, drafted. Mo Alley-Cox signed after the draft. Michael Pittman Jr., drafted. Alec Pierce, drafted. Josh Downs, drafted. They they just draft skill position players. So really when it comes down to paying versus not paying Jonathan Taylor, you're not going to find a skill position player in the draft That adds the value that Jonathan Taylor has. I mean, again, unless you're adding a wide receiver, which you could do with Jonathan Taylor still. So, really, your argument is if we let Jonathan Taylor leave, like the way that we have to replace his value on offense is by drafting someone equivalent to or better than him in the draft, which is not going to happen. So, you're just making your offense worse by default because of some, you know, want to have the greatest process ever. At the end of the day, results matter too. You know, process is great. And I understand the process of not paying running backs, but results matter too. And you don't want to take away explosiveness and take away playmaking from your offense because you just want to have this great process for the heck of having a great process. Uh, but every day, is this is this concludes our conversation on Jonathan Taylor for the time being. Obviously. We will rehash a lot of this if he does get that extension this offseason. But I think for the most part, we are, we've are we kind of said everything we need to say on it. Let us know in the comment section for like the 10th time this offseason what you think on this. Should the Colts re-sign Jonathan Taylor? And if they do re-sign him, what kind of contract are you looking at for him? Uh, so let us know in the comments there every day. And if you don't already, follow at Locked on Colts, at Jake Arthur NFL, and at Zach Hicks, too, all on Twitter. Also, subscribe to the Locked on Colts podcast on YouTube, or we listen to your podcast. We'd love your guys' ratings and reviews, and we'll see you guys bright and early tomorrow morning.